page of your um, newsletter. Um, don't bother doing it now, but um, get a bit on the page of your newsletter and you'll see some of the, some of the how-tos, in actual fact, what it actually means, what Christian discipleship actually looks like. Um, and, uh, but just to quickly say that it's um, uh, basically the way that we're created out of the dust, when God created, out of, uh, created us out of the dust, he created us with five aspects to our, our human being, right? So we're, we're spiritual beings, we're emotional beings, and I put those two together every time I say this, because uh, those two are, are deep inside of us, right? And um, um, so we're spiritual beings and emotional beings, we're intellectual beings, we're physical beings, and we're social beings. So when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind, and love your neighbour as yourself, he's digging up those aspects of our, what it means to be a human being. And um, as Anthony said, um, whatever groups that I'm involved in has always has that aspect to it. So everything, the rhythm of the way that we function in groups, the way that I lead groups, the way that we engage in groups, as we're always engaged in those five areas, therefore, groups are transformational, actually transforms lives, and uh, the gospel uh, gets through to people. So have a look at those things when you get home. And um, uh, I disciple, uh, myself and others, disciple men between, uh, I personally disciple men between the age of 23 and 80. And... Um, and, uh, and all of those men, you might see some, I might bring them all forward later actually, um, all of those men um, are transforming their lives, each one of them. Uh, each one of those men is, um, is, uh, is really challenged around things like unbearable feelings, things that actually uh, cause them to, um, to act out or have caused them to act out in ways that are unhealthy for them and for people around them. And Jesus Christ uh, 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 comes to heal us from all of those things, to um, help us recognize them, uh, our un, um, unhealthy ways of living, so we can make choices to, to live differently. Right? We can make choices not to live the way that um, are generational, uh, through, through our family of upbringing and through um, childhood experiences and that have caused us to live ways that um, actually harm us and others. Boy, that's pretty big, eh? That's pretty big stuff. That's what Christian discipleship is all about. So I see a man here this morning who um, we got to some unbearable feelings for him uh, to do with schooling. Uh, this man's here this morning. Uh, when he got to those unbearable feelings, and they're to do with being bullied by women, I'm sure he'll be uh, okay me saying this, so I won't, uh, you won't know who he is. Um, however, um, once he got to those unbearable feelings, um, within three weeks, uh, as this guy could never, never have relationships with ladies. Within three weeks, had a relationship with a lady. Within six, six months, I was invited to the wedding. Through getting into those unbearable feelings, and God healing him. Incredible, eh? So that's what we're talking about uh, this week and next. Um, this week we're going to talk about where this come from around not only my life, but the, uh, the, the people that are, uh, have done this with me as well. But we're going to give a bit of a scriptural reference first of all. Because Christian uh, imit uh, uh, discipleship is actually about imitation. So what happens is people imitate me. And they imitate others. In fact, people imitate you. And um, so the first uh, scripture around that should be coming up now. Um, yeah, here it is. Um, so, um, and Jesus came to them and said, uh, uh, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, that's to every Christian, everyone who calls himself a Christ follower, go and make disciples of all nations baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So that's, that's, the, um, that's, the, uh, that's the tattoo, as it were, on the heart and, and life of every Christian. 
This is now about Christian leadership. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Many, many uh, Christian leaders think that's, that's by preaching on a Sunday. But listen to this. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, in other words our leaders are supposed to be vulnerably sharing their lives with us so that we actually figure out how to actually live the Christian life, right? So our leaders are called, and, and Jesus said it's always been that way because that's how he lived. That's how he functioned. He, he, he walked amongst uh, uh, those 12 disciples. They shared their lives deeply and intimately together, and that's how they learned, and that's how we're to learn. Next one is, uh, this is uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, which, is, which is why I can say, Hey, um, and why you can say, hey, who's following me? Right? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So for all of us Christ followers, so I've got some friends here. Um, Jeff and Ariana um, uh, made some friends here in the last year, year, year or so since I've been here. And, um, and what's happening is just in a normal context of our, our friendship, transformation's happening. Right? Because we're rubbing shoulders with each other as Christ follows. Our relationship isn't carnal. Yes, we have fun together, we go, go places together, do all these sort of things. But in actual fact, what's happening is our relationships are changing just by rubbing shoulders with each other and being Christ-like, normally, naturally Christ-like together. It's actually changing our relationships for all four of us. Right? So, so people follow our example. Next one is, um, this is Paul who sent, um, sent Timothy, right? He says, um, even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. From Christ, I, Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And for this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son whom I, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ, which agrees with what, what, with what I teach everywhere in every church. So this is the way that I live. This is the way that, that Christ follows us to live. We're to live this gospel, and it's to change everything everywhere. And it's not like we put on a show here and, and something different there. No, this is just normal Christian living as disciples of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4, 8, this is, now changing, this is now changing the world, right? This is 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 to 8. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how he lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Again, this, that word imitation keeps coming. For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore we do not need to say anything about it. So what's happening here is the actual fact, this imitation, this way of living, is actually, it breathes. It's like the wind that breathes through us into the lives of others. So this morning, I may bring the guys forward uh, at this, uh, this morning, who have been actually affected by this way of living, this incredible way of living. I think I might have another scripture, I'm not sure. No, I don't, that'll do. Um, so in, in 1983, um, I got saved, surprisingly saved, one Sunday morning while Sharon's at church, I got saved, I got utterly saved this morning, right? I knew that right from that moment I had no Christian upbringing and bang, I knew that Jesus had saved me that morning. Bang, I just knew that, right? Didn't know how to live it and I had absolutely no inner change for, for, for uh, seven years. I had outer change, within three months I stopped drinking uh, and I was drinking just about every day smoking 30 cigarettes a day, 
My wife is smoking 50. I was rolling hers for her when God said to me, Doug, you can stop doing that. You won't be doing that tomorrow. I stopped uh, um, uh, smoking the next day. Um, uh, drinking, I was on a table, I was drunk as on top of a table. The Lord said to me, you can go home now, Doug. And so I went home. That was the 30th of November, 1983. Haven't had one drink since. However, I had a thing inside me called rage. And when I'm, uh, w- my wife, Sharon, who's not here this morning because our dog took an overdose of someone's uh, <laughs> um, uh, medication, so she had to shoot home and get the dog taken to the vet. So she's not here. That's why Sharon just shot off. Um, you know, because we're, we're, a, we're a family of drug addicts. Uh, but um, uh, so, so, and the dog just took after me. Um, so, um, yeah, so, um, so, so what would happen is Sharon would come through and, and she'd see me with one of my kids up in the air, right, with one hand. And by this time, my son was 12, and because my wife's from a fairly big family, he's bigger than me, but I had him up in the air. And one hand, I was so angry when I said to him, said to our son, can you do the dishes? He said, I'll do them soon, Dad. And I'd never say that to my father. He'd hammer me. So when he said it to me, I didn't know what to do. So when in a thing called rage, I was so angry I couldn't see. You see, this inner world stuff had never got dealt with. Right? The outer world stuff, which everybody sees on the outside, it had gone, but not the inner world stuff. So I had to... Um, uh, uh, do something with that. I went to a, we went to a church in 1990 called um, uh, Breezes Road Baptist and at this church was a pastor. We had his tea with him one night. Uh, Andy, can you come forward please? And um, it was this guy here called Andy Edwards and we're during the tea, he said to me, he says, um, I've got a bit of a problem with the neighbour. I said, what's the problem, mate? He said, oh, they, um, they, uh, the neighbours, uh, when the kids knock the tennis balls over the fence, he won't give them back. So I'm thinking, grab a seat, bro. Uh, so I'm thinking, in my head, the world I come from, you smack them, right? You clean them out for frogging your kids' balls. So I said, what are you going to do, mate? So you're still going to have a chat with them. What are you going to have a chat with them, mate? He said, um, and so anyway, I said, so what are you going to talk about? I'm going to ask him what's happening for him. It's like, oh, mate, what's this mean? Driving home afterwards, I said to my wife, Driving away, and I says, uh, mate, this new pastor we got, mate, he's, he's a, bit of a, a bit of a chicken, that boy, isn't he? She says, um, she says, what do you mean, Doug? I said, well, did you hear what he's going to do with the neighbours? He's going to have a chat with them. So I'll be, I'll be smacking them. And, he says, um, and she, says, oh, she says, Doug, Doug's got more guts than you, mate. Mate, so you're 31 years old or something, and your wife says that to you. Oof, yeah. So, um, so and I understood that he was talking about a thing called conflict resolution. Oh, man. And so for the first time in my life, I'm learning how to do conflict a different way. And if you know me, I talk heaps about it because we have massive conflicts every day. And so, um, so I'm going to hand over to him now. And um, uh, Dallas, can you come forward as well? So, um, so in, in uh, the year 1990, I met, um, I met, uh, I met Andy and uh, Andy took me on this journey, so he's going to share for a few minutes. And then um, there's another fellow up here. I'll tell you what he's doing here shortly, all right, so you can just guess. But um, where you go, Ray? D- Doug talked about imitating, but one thing you haven't imitated me in, Doug, is that you're st- you, you don't even put <laughs> colour in your hair. We're the same age. He's got hair. I haven't got any. And, uh, and he isn't grey yet, and I am very. So I think that's what you did to me, mate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mate. That is. Um, Doug talked about the whole thing of imitation. And one of the things that I experienced um, coming to faith myself, I came to faith <coughs> when I was 16. And uh, so when I met Doug, that was back in 1990, uh, I'd sort of been walking with the Lord for about over 20 years, minus four, because for four years I, I walked away um, and didn't want anything to do with, uh, with Jesus. But when I met Eve and got married, we realised that we needed to come back to him, which we did. But uh, during those times, um, there were several things that I learned, and that was that um, 
though, though it was very important to read the Bible, to pray, um, to um, share our faith, to be part of a church, to tithe, to fast, and saw those things as being really important, um, I, I came to see that they were not the things that defined me. They were not the things that, that God judged us on about whether we had really um, grown in him, that really how he measured our growth was through the love that we had towards people. That, that, that's how he um, saw that. And though I may not have seen it quite like that, what I saw was that God had an incredible heart and capacity to love people. And he had given us grace, mercy, and, uh, and justice. And those things we were to use towards people. So when I met Doug, he challenged all of those things. Because the first time I had a conversation with him was on the phone when he was ringing me up because he had seen a budget um, of, of our finances. And being Baptists, we're very transparent about our finances, or, or, or we used to be anyway. And, um, and um, he saw what I was earning. And he was ringing me up to have me on about the fact that he thought I earned too much. <laughs> And, uh, and, and partly that was because I was earning more than he was. Um, but um, so I, th I knew that I had an interesting character here. And so we went on a, on a journey. And the thing was, was that uh, when I first came to Christ that first time, um, I learned all about, you know, reading the Bible and, and that's what you tell people. But the second time round, I, I really learned around relationships, that, that the Christian faith is about relationships, relationships, relationships. It's like location, location, location about buildings. It's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with other people. And it's our relationship with ourselves, And that God wants us to love him, to love others, and to love ourselves, And to love our neighbor, but also the church. And the church is often the hardest thing because those people often hurt us the most. But actually God desires us to deal with that. And so that's where we have to deal with those inner issues. And uh, one of the things that um, I, I realised was that not just with Doug but with other people was that I had to deal with my stuff because if I was wanting to help other people to do their stuff, the only way that could happen is if I was dealing with mine and that I was real um, with Doug. And Doug, um, you know, he, he, saw the, he saw the good in me, but he also saw the not so good, the overworking, the inability to say no to things. Um, and, uh, and so it was not trying to hide, though I, I wanted to, to hide my bad bits, but it was trying to sort of be real. And, uh, and I guess that's what we did, and that's one of the reasons why I think we've remained friends all these mm. years. Um, and, and we've had our moments. Um, Doug talked about conflict. You know, conflict is a, not an easy thing. Uh, as Christians, I, I see that often or not, we're poor at dealing with things that we don't agree with with each other. Uh, and and J Jesus was incredible how he dealt with that. He, he came to deal with false peace. He didn't like that. He wanted to deal with that. He, he had open, straight conversations with people. And I realized that that was something that I needed to learn to do, but I needed to find out why it was that I couldn't say no to people, why it was that I wanted to please people, why it was that, uh, um, that particularly uh, um, women I f who were very strong uh, I felt really uncomfortable with and that was partly because of my mum my mum was lovely she loved me she cared for me but she controlled me with her face and by her eyes etc and so w with strong women I felt intimidated and I needed to deal with some of that stuff and uh, and I brought that into my ministry and uh, and so as I dealt with that some of some of that stuff Doug and I talked about 
and he then learned that he needed to deal. And, uh, and you know, he talked about that rage. And I, you know, there was a few times when we had to talk about that, wasn't it, Doug? Yeah, mate. Do you know? And, um, and that, wasn't, that wasn't easy, but it was really important to do that. But God, God used that, strengthened mm. us. Mm. And, um, and also Sharon and I and Eve and Doug, you know, we, we had our moments. We, we fell out and, and we hurt each other, some of the things that we said to each other. But actually what we realised was that we had to work that through. And over time we worked that through. And, um, and in actual fact it made us stronger. Because the, the, the thing is, is that God has this incredible heart for the lost and for his body, the church. And you and I have this incredible opportunity <clears throat> to be Christ to others. Christ to each other here in this building, but also Christ to those out, out there. And, um, and, and, and we can think, I can't, I, can't, I can't talk very well. Well, it's not about what you talk about, it's about how you live. And out of the way you live, you'll have opportunity to talk because people will want to know what's different about you. That's cool. Thanks, Ray. So, um, so this journey with Andy, um, so from 1990 it started. And so for the next 10 years, um, uh, we were meeting together a lot and, um, and I was learning off him. Uh, he was learning off me as well. And, um, and, uh, and so, so what I would do was, the things I'd learn, I'd go and apply them. I'd go and try them with others, I'd take them home. And um, I just want to give a shout out to Sharon, my wife, and to Eve, uh, Andy's wife, and to um, Dallas's wife, Lucy, because um, those women have been incredibly patient with us, um, walked with us through our stuff, and, um, and, um, and been our first disciples, you might say. Uh, but we do need other disciples. And um, so in the year 2000, I, I met Dallas and um, I became his boss. And the first thing I said to him, uh, this place, I was, uh, we were, it's a Christian ministry, so I said to him, I said, oh, Dallas, um, who's the boss, mate? And he says, oh, you are. I said, no, 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 Jesus is the boss. So I said, um, so we're going to learn now how to do work with Jesus being the boss. And so that was an interesting process, but... Um, so Dallas, um, we still walk, walk today, but anyway, Dallas, you share, you share what, it's, what it's like for you to be um, uh, discipled, bro. What, what it was like to be in relationship with Doug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'll give you the real version. Morene te whanau whanui, tuatahi he uri tēnei no Ngāpuhi, nui tonu, um, ko Ngāti Kaharau, Ngāti Hauki o Manaia o Kuhapu. Um, uh, oi. So kia ora everyone, my name is Dallas, I whakapapa on my Māori side to the Hokianga way up in the north, but I grew up on my Scottish side down south. Here's my wonderful daughter that's low-key stressing me out this morning because she's running around everywhere. Um, I would be a parent with young children in church. My beautiful wife Lucy is up, is up the back who is, has Irish, Scottish and Lebanese whakapapa. So we have three Māori, Lebanese, Scottish, Irish children. Pretty much the United Nations in our Um So yeah, um, so yeah, I became a Christian um, as a teenager, um, and the type of um, discipleship that I was introduced to was pretty much um, don't swear, don't have sex before marriage, or if you are, keep it quiet. Um, uh, don't drink, um, and whatever you do, behave, you know, behave all the time. That was, that was pretty much the Christianity I was introduced to. Um, oh, and, and go to church every Sunday and join a life group. That, that was pretty much the effect of it. So it was a very behavioural-based Christianity. It was a type of Christianity that was um, all about keeping your appearances up, being a nice person, being polite, um, and just watching your P's and Q's, um, and, and all of those types of things. So um, it was a type of culture that kind of preferred personal privacy, over real and intimate relationships. Um, uh, as I said, we, we kind of preferred to ha uh, appear as though we have it all together. 
Um, we, th there was a preference to kind of separate our personal lives with our yeah, Christian but, activity. You know what I mean? Um, it was kind of a preference to hide in shame and guilt um, and kind of let that rule our faith in God and our relationships with other people, um, provided we just didn't like let that stuff come out of us. Um, and there was a, like a preference to kind of put up with emotional immaturity um, in ourselves and also emotional immaturity in other people, kind of excusing it away as, oh, you know, it's okay, we love them. Um, but actually, maybe some of that stuff needed to be addressed, especially if it was causing some kind of conflict in our relationships, as is already being talked about. So it was kind of reduced to this behavioural-based type of outworking thing. Um, and so it started to kind of create this divide in me where I was like, here we are kind of singing and praying and studying about loving God and being loved by God and loving others and, you know, I'm a, I'm a unique creation in God. And yet I wasn't really actually experiencing that in my church community. Um, and so it just kind of caused a separation in me, and um, on the outside, um, I was doing all the right things and saying all the right things and going to all the right things, but actually on the inside, I was actually slowly dying, and this truth or this gospel wasn't actually like getting into my heart, and actually I wasn't experiencing the transformation that we were singing about, or we were reading about, or we were praying about. Um, and so earlier on in my Christian years, um, uh, yeah, I met Doug, um, and he was a bit odd to me. Um, he still is a little bit odd to me. Um, and actually, I really love that about him, that he's out the gate, he's out the box. Um, and, and he actually gave me an example of what kind of like a real um, kind of embodied faith looked like, where you could uh, freely talk about your emotions. And in fact, you needed to talk about your emotions and you needed to integrate your emotions into your faith in God. That, that is part of how we were made, and so that was part of what he invited me into. Um, I didn't grow up without a... Well, I did grow up with a father, but he was more like a shell of a man. He wasn't available emotionally to me, and uh, him and mum divorced at the age of 10. And so, and so I had this void within me for this kind of like fatherly presence, or this fatherly figure. You are right, Wu? Yeah. Um, this, this, this fatherly presence in my life and that's what he become for me and what he actually gave me was this sense of like, oh I can imitate your life, I can imitate your faith I could follow, I could follow Jesus how you follow Jesus um, and through our discipleship relationship I actually started to meet a Jesus who was um, emotionally responsive and available um, to us he wasn't just this far distant kind of God um, that he actually knew and wanted to know and wanted me to talk about my shameful hidden secrets and that that be okay and uh, not to remain in this kind of private kind of Christianity. Um, I saw a Jesus that lovingly invited people into relationship and also actually challenged them to change and challenged them to be transformed and to enter into that. I saw a Jesus uh, that would call things out in people, bad behavior actually, um, and, and, and um, that was something I wanted to lean into some more. Um, I saw a Jesus who was bearing other people's burdens and actually was calling us to also bear, bear each other's burdens as well. Um, so in and through our discipleship relationship, I actually learned to become more myself, actually, and um, to kind of take some of the facade off, take, take the fig leaf off that, that was put on in um, the earlier chapters of Genesis, and just be a bit more real and a bit more honest uh, with where I was at um, in life. Um, uh, and I also um, began to explore a faith that actually required me to revisit some of the things that I had grown up with or my past, because I was told that I was a new creation and um, I was meant to be living into this new creation, but I wasn't actually experiencing it. I wasn't, because my world was actually full of pain and brokenness. So um, through the discipleship relationship with Doug, it actually invited me to enter into that stuff and uh, to really find healing in it. Um, and let me just say a little caveat there. I think sometimes when um, I say things like that, people go, oh, it must have to be like really bad trauma or really bad brokenness. Actually, no, it can just be like really everyday things that we're carrying as well. Um, it doesn't have to be the big stuff. Um, I saw, and then I actually learned that repentance was actually a redeeming process and a good process. Mm. It wasn't one um, laden with guilt, like I'm a bad person, 
or um, there's something wrong with me. Actually, repentance is, could be a beautiful thing um, to enter into so that I can become, we can become more of who we are um, and, and more of who we were called, called to be. Um, yeah, that's me for now. It's cool. So, um, so about four years ago, I, um, I was up in Auckland um, wanting to see the um, national leader, Charles Sheila. Apparently I was the first person in the six months he'd been in the role, I was the first person to take the Bible into his room with him and quote from the Bible. I'd done the one on um, discipleship, uh, 1 Corinthians 4. 14. He says, he took a photo of me, he says, oh, you're the first person who's ever brought your Bible um, uh, uh, to meet me in the six months I've been in this role. But anyway, while I was there, um, not with him, I was, I was um, uh, back at this um, Airbnb place. I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, um, I need some money. I said, um, I was pastoring a church at the time, um, but there was, there was more to this. I knew there was more to this than meets the eye. There's more, there's more than needs to happen. And um, it's a bit of a legacy time, I think. I'm thinking, okay, what can I leave to this world? And so I... Um, I said, Lord, I need some money, um, uh, and, and um, so what I'm going to do about that, I said, I want to I kind of reach some, reach some men, whatever, and, um, but I don't know what to do, but I need some money. So the Lord, uh, the Lord told me who to email. Um, I have to email someone. Um, I better not say uh, too many details because the person's here, uh, but anyway, um, and, um, but anyway, so... So I emailed this person, and, um, and you know, I kind of knew a little bit, but not too, too, too much, and he emailed me back and says, um, oh, yep, yeah, I'll give you, I think it was $10,000 or something, or um, $20,000, something like that. So yeah, I'll give you 20000 bucks or 10000 I forgot what it was. So anyway, he gave the money to me. I, I put it into the Baptist, um, uh, 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 I didn't keep the money myself, I would have bought ice creams with it. So... Um, <laughs> So I put it into the Baptist uh, world, and, um, and, uh, and, uh, but I didn't know what to do with the money. And so this went on for a while, and he contacted me a couple of times, says, um, oh, Doug, what have, you done? what have you done with that? And I said, um, oh, nothing yet. I'm not quite sure what to do. And then Dallas um, and Lucy came, and the kids came home from, um, from uh, doing a Toreo year in, um, in Hamilton. He said, oh, Doug, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Um, and I said, oh, well, I know what you need to do, mate. I said, you need to disciple men with me. We'll grab some younger men. We'll, we'll go on a journey with them. And he said, um, oh, okay, that sounds really cool. And um, he says, how we do that? Well, just a, it's been our journey, just model our journey. And so, um, so he said, well, Doug, I need some money for that. I said, yeah, well, I think I've got about 10 grand. He said, well, that won't last long. And um, so... And, he, and I had about five, it was about four days before Christmas or five days before Christmas. He said, well, I need to know before Christmas what we're doing next year. So I sent an email out to a few people and said, oh, look, you know, uh, me and um, this other guy wanted to disciple some men. And blame me, George, if, um, if this person and his wife said, um, hey, we're going to give you 160000 over five years, uh, 32000 a year to... Um, uh, so that you can employ Dallas to disciple men two days a week. So that's what we've been doing. Um, so part of what I do, uh, myself and Dallas, is that we disciple men, uh, young men, as I say. Um, we grab um, millennial men and we take them on a journey. And so basically we break them. So if you guys have been broken, you guys have been on the journey with us, can you come forward, please? Um, yeah, uh, don't be fighting, boys. Come up here. This is, a, this is just a few of them. Boy, they're a rough bunch. Look at them. Eh? Rough as guts, these boys. All right. And, um, and uh, Caleb, can you come forward as well? Yosef, uh, Alan, uh, John, Honey. Um, yeah, so, um, so these guys... Um, uh, plus quite a few others have been walking with us for three or four years and the person, the couple that gave us this money, uh, I'm pleased that you're here to see this this morning because um, 
Without you, we wouldn't have been able to do this. And without you, Andy, I wouldn't have been able to do this. And without you, Dallas, we wouldn't have been able to pass this on. And so what we have here is a bunch of men who have uh, been incredibly broken this year or over the last couple of years. There's not one man here, I don't think, who hasn't had tears, right? And um, so, so for the last three years, we've been discipling men um, and, and, as I said, taking them into the unbearable feelings, you know, stuff from childhood, stuff from, um, uh, from, from um, the parents of upbringing, that sort of stuff. And what we do is we get them and, um, and we take them over the little river. The first, uh, we're first, and I've never met these guys before uh, at this time. And we do a weekend with them and each of us has to share our stories. Now, that's not two minutes. That's our stories. What's really happened in our life, right? And so, um, and believe me, we spend about two hours actually sharing your story, not just the, the flash car you got and, you know, I've got, got a missus and two kids. No, 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 the real stuff, you know, what's really going on, uh, things happen. And that sets us away. And you, do you know what? That's normative Christianity. That's how we're supposed to live in this Christian world, right? And, um, and so, so what's happened um, first time I meet some of these guys and, um, is that, man, we're going straight to their hearts. But not only that, they're going straight to our hearts because we've got to share our stuff as well. And so the group last year, um, and I'm not sure if any of the wives are here, maybe one or two of them are, um, the group we had last year, which is um, some of these guys, not all of them, but some of these guys, they... Um, we got about this time of the year and we, we started to get some murmurs. And the murmurs we were getting was from their wives or their partners. Because their partners are saying, far out, you fellas have changed. You've changed. You're more open and you're more vulnerable than me. I have more access to you as a, as a husband. Right? And so, so they started saying, what are we going to do next year? And so, um, so me and Dallas had to think about that. So far out, mate. Why don't we start a marriage discipleship group? And so, um, so I don't know if any of, the, any, of the, any of the wives are here, but if you are from last year, do you want to come forward? And um, and so um, and so, so what we got here is, um, um, gosh, these are way better looking than the boys, aren't they? Uh, you know, <laughs> way better looking than the boys. <laughs> so. Uh, so, um, so these ladies, these ladies um, started. Uh, I wasn't allowed to be in the marriage one, and um, so, so, um, so Dallas, Dallas and Lucy, um, and another guy called Dave Bosman, his wife, um, they take these guys on this journey, which is, um, uh, and I'm going to say that I'm incredibly proud of each one of you, incredibly proud of each one of you. You know, so um, the guys on this side are more personal stuff, the ones on this side are in the, in the um, so I disciple these guys and um, uh, I mean I'd love to get to hear their stories, you know, an 80 year old man who's 79 years of age, been a pastor for years and bang, right, incredible change of life, he's saying, he says things like, I've never experienced this before, I didn't know this stuff, been a pastor for years, it's been, there's pastors on this side as well, who are actually um, now discovering stuff through genuine, open discipleship relationships, right? Where they're, where they're doing the stuff that's written in the thing here, right? Do you know why? Because we're doing it. And so, um, and so uh, I think there may be one or two wives from this year. Um, you want to come forward? And, um, <laughs> come on, up you come. Up you come. Right. Yeah, these are better looking than the boys as well. And, um, so, uh, so thank you for... Um, I just want to say to you guys, thank you for trusting us. Thank you for allowing us to um, take you on these incredible journeys. And um, thank you for uh, challenging us to be real with you. Right? To challenging us to be real with you. So that... Um, and you know what's happening? 
This is going beyond these people. So when I started here, my role here, I said that, um, I said, hey, um, I said to Rod, I said, oh, Rod, I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm moving back my time. So the men that I meet, I'm going to meet with them all. I'm going to decide who is not passing this on to others. Um, I, will, I will stop meeting with them. Because you see, Christianity is supposed to be passed on. And by the way, men, we're supposed to be the kinsmen redeemers of our whanos, of our families, right? And so, um, and so I met with all these men and I said, uh, so I was thinking, okay, because um, I, get, I get guys put uh, feelings, feelings charts on their fridges, do the whole, um, all the stuff around um, so that they can actually... Uh, um, so what happens is when a man hasn't been talking about his feelings or his, or his marriage and he shoves a feelings chart on the fridge, his wife goes nuts at him and says, what do you got this thing here for? You never talk about this stuff. And so what happens is it opens up conflict. And next thing, that's, a, that's the, the start of uh, marriages actually going deeper. So we do that sort of stuff. And, um, and to see all of these men, all of these men are taking it to people that I'll never meet. Right? That's how discipleship works. That's how Christianity is supposed to work. So what happens is I'm meeting with these people and, 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 and they're taking it to people I'll never meet. All right? So Andy, Andy's, so, so Dallas was um, doing stuff for, uh, for uh, CYS, Easter, Easter camp and that sort of stuff, 3,000 kids and his influence on them. You see, this is about imitation. As these people share their stories, it goes to others. So that's how this works. Questions? Rod. By the way, if you want to ask any one of these guys a question, you can. Okay. If you have a, a question or a comment, um, now's the chance to do that. Uh, while you're thinking about that, I've got a, a question, and it's for um, you two old blokes. Uh, it seems to me that you're in your seventh decade, heading into your eighth almost. So you've been doing this game quite a while. And we've talked a fair bit about the effect of a person on um, somebody else and then other people that they may not ever meet. What about the effect coming back? How has it changed and shaped you working with people on this kind of level? Andy. Yeah, really good question. Um, it was interesting, um, part of, so we, I met Doug in, in 1990. In, at the end of 97, um, I had hit a really bad wall. I'd got chronic pain. Um, I had been working really hard, uh, like 60 plus hours a week, um, and dealing with some really significant conflict within the church, not with me, but there were people with each other. And um, basically, without realizing it, I'd become severely depressed. And um, what was really interesting was that the person, one of the people who actually helped me see that I was unwell was Doug, because he and I were with each other and he, um, I made a comment, I, I, I'd asked somebody to do something, they hadn't done it, and I actually said something about it in front of him, and he said to me, Andy, are you okay? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I've, in all the time I've known you, I've never heard you put somebody down. And I realized at that moment that something deeper was going on for me because he reflected back, you know, what, what was going on. Um, I just share that with you because I think when we, when we ship, begin to share our lives with other people and they allow us to see into their life, it's like a mirror it, because actually there's things going on in our life that we have to deal with. And if we're, if we're real, um, then, uh, and we're real with other people about what's going on for them, we have to be real about what's going on in here because otherwise we stop growing and, and actually people see that in us um, and that begins to limit 
the growth of the body. But if we're able to keep on being, being open, because there's layers, you know, there's that wonderful Shrek movie, and, and the donkey says to Shrek about you're an onion, you know, there's layers. We are, we've got layers, and, um, you know, I'm coming up 70, and there's certainly still layers that God's wanting to strip away. Doug? Uh, me? Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about me, mate. I, I've said enough. <laughs> Questions or comments that people have? I see that hand. <coughs> I know we're focusing on the guys, but I want to ask the ladies. Um, the biggest changes that you've seen in them and the positivity that's had on your your relationships. Good question. This gets me conveniently standing over here as well. Um, we uh, have had various seasons of marriage courses and counselling and various bits and pieces. This group, the mutual accountability and the learning that comes as the guys learn from each other as well as through the facilitators has produced more positive and lasting movement in Bruce than any of the other. Th the other things we've done were great and maybe they work better for some people but uh, this has been the biggest bang for no bucks um, <laughs> on record. I think the single biggest thing would be that I didn't feel alone anymore. Thank you. Other comments or questions? Well, I want to say thank you to all of you, but particularly you three guys for the, you've talked about vulnerability, but you've modelled it to us. And that's a real privilege. Um, so thank you very much. Oh, got a question. Just listening, I think that's the way that God wants us to live. And I'm really feeling blessed just listening to what's happening. My question I want to ask, because so much is happening for the men up there and for the couples, is there also something for women who want to go on this journey of following Christ and being discipled? So, um, so certainly for me, so when, the reason why I only work with men is that when, when you're doing, when you're asking someone to share vulnerability from their hearts, um, I think um, certainly uh, for me, uh, so Billy Graham said, Billy Graham never, ever met once with a woman on his own. So I realised that actually you're, when you're sharing really vulnerable heart stuff, um, uh, to me, uh, uh, it's, it's man on man, woman on woman. And so, um, and so, uh, so, one of the things that we are talking about now is that, and we've been talking about for the last year, what about the woman? And um, so, so do you want to talk a little bit about that, bro? You've, you've got a uh, young lady, Rachel, is it? Um, want to talk a bit about that or not? Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when we, when we set out to do this, it wasn't like we had a grand vision or a plan or a strat strategic or anything like that. We were just kind of following our noses, really, and following... Um, our hearts, really, or God's heart in us and through us. And so, yep, it started with, well, it didn't start with us, but I guess this iteration was Doug and I. 
Um, but obviously, as more women are coming, we have to think about, well, yeah, how are we going to respond to the women that are, that are with us? Because there has to be boundaries around men working with women. Um, I have to be, you know, we have to be mindful about the kind of like enmeshment that might happen actually between men and women where we might get a little bit too familiar with each other. Um, uh, and in fact, because I'll naturally ask questions that require a bit of vulnerability with everybody, um, there's been times where my wife has kind of said to me, hey, you're getting a bit too close with that woman. And actually out of honour and respect for her, I've got to actually step back um, on that because I'm naturally wanting to know, tell me about your life, you know what I mean? But I've got to have some boundaries around that. But anyway, there is a woman who is quite keen to get involved with um, what it is that we're doing and to yeah, see what her place and role could be within, within what we're doing. So we're just exploring that at the moment. Um, yeah. yeah, that's all I can really say. <laughs> in, in process. So yeah, thank you for your what you've shared and your vulnerability. Um, I'd just like to pray for you, if that's Thank okay. You. Lord, we thank you for these folk, for the growing transformative journey that they've been on and for the way that iron has sharpened iron as they've met and they've shared and they've been able to go deeper in a safe place and it's affected their marriages, their ministries, and their lives. It's inspirational for us, and we thank you that they've brought it here to us. And we pray for them, that they would continue on this journey and see the fruit in their lives and the lives of the people they come into contact with. And we pray for us that we would be inspired to do likewise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. Thank you, guys. Mr. Guys, thank you. Anthony. Thank you. Anthony.